This is Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. And within this podcast, I want to share my sense of humor. It's not always about sex and romance and passion and seduction. Sometimes I just let that other side of me come through. And I want you to get to know me in this way. I've got a few stories for you. The first one, I actually had to blackmail my ex-husband. Moving on, I want to talk about how our kids can't stand the fact that we might still have sex. And lastly, how do you feel about going commando? Hmm? Let's start with the story that involves me, my kids, my ex-husband, and somebody with four legs in a blackmail situation. And this all happened during Thanksgiving. What an experience. I don't know what it is, but every single time I'm with my family, and I'm talking about my five kids and my ex-husband and myself, that's who spends Thanksgiving together, all of us. And we all get along famously, but there isn't a Thanksgiving that's gone by that I can remember that we haven't caught a stray animal. I just don't get it. This year, we were coming back from the movies all squeezed into one car. Can you imagine? And these are those roads that are the windy roads that have very little lighting and a deer can jump across at any second. So I was holding my breath the whole ride and the girls in the back seat are saying, Dad, slow down, Dad. And I'm just pretending that I'm not even there, praying to make it home in one piece. We make it all the way. It's a 30-minute drive. We get into the neighborhood and I spot out of the corner of my little eye a dog that seems like he's going up the driveway to what I was hoping would be his house. And I'm just praying to God that none of my children saw that dog. And as we drive by, we barely made it before the youngest yells out, Dad, stop the car. There's a dog. And he says, so what? There's dogs all over the neighborhood. Everybody has a dog. She goes, no, Dad, you don't understand, Dad. Stop the car. He says, I'm not stopping this car. And he and I are recently divorced, and I have just handed over the house to him that everybody lives in. And I yell out, that dog is not coming into my house. And every one of the children in the backseat yell out, it's not your house anymore. (laughs) So I set myself up for that one, which kind of stung for a minute, but then I realized it was my own fault. And he keeps driving, and they're looking. All the heads are turned around looking out the back window. One of them says, let's go get our own car. Just remember where that house was. We park in the driveway. They run in the house. They grab their keys. They say they're going back to make sure the dog is okay. We walk in. He and I sit down. I look at him. Half hour goes by. I say to him, you better pray to God that they went for smoothies because they didn't find that dog. He says, that dog is not coming in this house. I said, hey, it's your house now. I'm not going to be the bad guy. You're going to be the bad guy. I don't care what it takes. That dog is not coming in here. We already have three dogs in this house. Well, don't you know, three out of the four that were in the car come in with that look on their face, that same look that I've seen every year. It's the look that I gave my mom when I was their age. And one of them says, Dad, We need to open the gate to put that dog in the backyard. We've already called the ASPCA, but we need to let him in the backyard. And he yells out, 
that dog is not coming in our backyard so that these three dogs cannot go in the backyard. It sounded like all the things I remembered, which is why I left. (laughs) But I was so happy for once I wasn't the heavy, you know? This was great. It was like I should have been eating popcorn while watching. And the three of them just stare at him. And I look at the three of them, and then I look over at him, and he looks at me. I said, don't look at me. Mm -mm, I'm out of this one. The other one chimes in and says, it's freezing outside. Lacey's out there with the dog. Dad, the dog is deaf and blind. (laughs) As if it couldn't get any worse. At that point, my mouth dropped open and I said, are you sure? And they said, yes, mom, he can't see. He kept walking into cars and walking into trees. And I look over at Steve, my ex, and I said, you can't possibly let this dog wander around the neighborhood. Now the girls know I'm on their side and I feel like a million bucks. He looks at me and he gets that grimace on his his face because now he knows he's lost the war, not just the battle. And so I add, it's too cold in the backyard. Why not let him into the garage and put some blankets down on the floor? Well, he looked at me with daggers. You know that look that your ex-husband gives you. I said, you're going to let that dog freeze out there? Are you kidding me? That is not the man that I married. Dead silence in the room. The girls look at me. They turn, they look at their father. He says, all right, but if that dog makes one mess in that garage, you guys are responsible for cleaning it up. So as they're walking out the front door, I said to them, girls, I think you should leave the laundry room door open so that the heat from inside the house can go into the garage. (laughs) I dug my own grave right there. And I loved it because the other door is closed, you know, that goes into the house. It'll just be the laundry room and the garage. And he says to me, are you kidding me? I said, no. He says, I don't want that dog in my laundry room. I said, I will blackmail you if you don't let this happen. You could hear a pin drop. Now, he didn't even ask how I would blackmail him. He just knew that I would have something to tell the girls because I have been the best ex-wife ever. I have never thrown him under the bus for a thing. Never. He knew the other shoe was about to drop, so he didn't say another word. (laughs) The next thing you hear is the garage door opening and they bring this dog in. And they set up a little warm spot for him and they surrounded him with boxes so that he couldn't bump into things because, you know, they said he was blind. And uh, they tried to feed him and he wouldn't eat water. He wouldn't drink. Oh, what a catastrophe. They all come back in and I'm still sitting in the same chair and my ex is sitting on the couch and neither one of us are looking at each other because we know it's like checkmate. And I don't want to rub it in or anything, but man, I would blackmail him. So I said to the girls, on behalf of him, you girls need to come up with some kind of a plan as to how you're going to watch this dog overnight or take care of it in the morning and what happens with the ASPCA. And and they put a little note on the Facebook community page saying they found this dog. And my eldest says, well, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll get it together. We'll discuss it. I said, oh, no, 
<laughs> no, 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 no. That's got to be discussed right here in front of your dad so that he has peace of mind throughout the night because, after all, he is sleeping down here on the couch while I'm taking his room upstairs and he's going to be the one that hears the dog in the middle of the night if something goes wrong. So the girls quickly came up with a plan. They went upstairs and disappeared for the rest of the night. I walk into the garage, and there I see this dog laying under the blankets, this poor little thing. I mean, not little, but just pathetic. He was clean, so you could tell that somebody took care of him. And I went closer, and I bent down, and I looked, and my one daughter was still in there sitting beside him. And I, I saw his eyes, and I can't even, without tears coming to my eyes, the cataracts were so thick and so visible that it was hard to even believe that the dog didn't get hit by a car. He just looked so lost. And my daughter was trying to feed him dog food, and he just wanted no part of it. I said to her, I'll be right back. I go into the laundry room that leads into the kitchen, that leads into the living room that Steve is sitting in with a frown on his face. I open up the refrigerator and I took out the leftover turkey and I cut up some pieces, you know, like about 10 or 15 little pieces and I put it on a plate and he's watching me because he knows that that was supposed to be his turkey salad for the next day. <laughs> he's lucky I didn't grab the sweet potatoes and green bean casserole, but walked back into the garage, held up a piece of turkey to the dog's mouth, and man, did he go to town. He ate and gulped and licked his chops. And I silently prayed there that somebody would claim this dog because the ASPCA said they would have to put him down within five days if nobody did. And I knew goddamn well I wasn't going to let that happen because I'm worse than my kids. And I would figure out a way to talk him into keeping this deaf-blind dog. And without my dog being a part of the menagerie, I believed I could make it work with his two dogs. But it would be a very uphill battle to win. So we all went to bed. 5 a.m., one of my kids comes screaming out of her bedroom. The owners called the ASPCA! We found the owners! Yay! <laughs> Everybody comes running out of their bedrooms. <laughs> the dogs are all barking. And the guy comes with the truck. And this man who works for the ASPCA walks up to the garage where he sees how we've got this dog protected. And he has tears in his eyes. And he says to us girls, you just don't understand. It's hardly ever a winning situation with my line of work. He says, the owners called us at 5 a.m. and said they've been looking for their dog since 4 in the morning. The dog's name is Skittles, and the couple that owns him has three other dogs, and he is the favorite, and he is blind and deaf. All of us were pretty much speechless. It's like we did a mitzvah, which is a Yiddish word for miracle, and it felt so good. And I was so proud of my kids for going back, following through, saving a life, 
you know, it's one of those mom moments where you're so grateful that your kids turned out the way they did. (laughs) Because we can't claim all responsibility for the good or the bad that comes out of our children. But this one, wow. So we watched him as he was taken into the truck. And the girls had this big smile on their faces. And it was a holiday worth remembering. Again. (laughs) Every Thanksgiving. I just, last year it was a Rottweiler. The year before that, I'm not sure. But you as a mom, I'm sure, have gone through a similar situation. And it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling when our kids turn out to be the people we can only hope they'll become. And that was the highlight of my Thanksgiving. And it's one I'll never forget. Isn't it wonderful to be proud of your children? I don't think there's anything better. It's Robin Marshall. Sugar Mom out for a minute because I'm coming back and I want to talk about going commando. (laughs) Just when you thought you'd heard it all. It's Robin Marshall, and today I want to talk to you about the pros and cons of wearing panties. There are some perks to going commando. It's becoming very much a fashion statement. Although it's been done for years, maybe even centuries, but back then I'm sure women wouldn't discuss it. They would talk about a corset, but not the fact that they weren't wearing any panties. And where do you think the name commando came from? I can only assume it's that feeling of being liberal. (laughs) Free. Let the air just rush up there. The question is, do you wear panties? Okay, do you wear them every day? Maybe you just go commando on weekends. Maybe you've never done it in your life. Well, let me explain. There are some good reasons why you should. Firstly, you eliminate that horrible wardrobe problem with the visible panty lines. There's nothing worse than seeing a woman in a tight dress where you can see the outline of everything she's wearing underneath. Next, a plus is you'll never have to do an emergency load of laundry because you've run out of clean underwear. Let's talk about thongs. I just can't even wear a thong. Anything that creeps up back there just makes me nuts. I don't even like wearing panties at all because they creep up if they're not the right kind of elastic. But you know, it's also about revealing that sensual side of you. Not wearing any panties is risque. You get sort of a naughty feeling knowing that you're so exposed. If you remove the barrier that surrounds that intimate anatomy that makes you more in touch with your intimate sensuality, wow, that's hot. And don't you wonder how it affects the man you're with? If you whisper to him that you aren't wearing any panties, Holy moly, if you're in public, don't let him stand up. He'll be on fire. And believe me, you won't even have to tell him. He'll be able to notice. The first thing they look for are lines. They gently rub their hand down the back side of you to feel if there's anything under there. Men are well aware if a woman is wearing panties or not. And doctors say that if you don't wear any panties, a man has an easier way of picking up on your pheromones. 
the natural chemicals that you emit below the belt that make us attractive to men. Is it hot in here or is it just me? So in my personal opinion, I would never wear a pair of panties under a dress or skirt. But if wearing a pair of pants, I'd be nervous that I'd get chafed under that rough of a material. So I'd try and find the kind of panties that have no lines at all. I mean, there's no feeling of freedom when you're wearing pants to begin with, so why go the extra yard? Just use the extra yard of material and wear a pair of panties. The last thing you want is an infection, and you can get yeast infections and all kinds of vaginitis from rubbing the wrong way against the wrong materials, or even a skin rash. One more negative about going commando is if you are wearing a skirt or a dress with nothing underneath, just make sure you sit on the back of your dress when you sit down in public. You don't know who's been on the chair or stool or bench before you. You don't want to take a chance on picking up any kind of bacteria, lice, any parasite that might be transmitted via towels or other surfaces. Just don't give them a direct path to your private parts. And for goodness sake, if you have your period, wear a pair of panties. Firstly, you don't want to leave a trail. And a tampon is only as good as it gets. And secondly, it sort of leaves you more open when you have a tampon in you. And this can cause a urinary tract infection if you happen to rub against the wrong material or sit in the wrong place. The bottom line is it really is sort of like a sexy secret between you and yourself. Just be safe about it. I am going to share one experience with you that I find to be humorous and at the same time a life lesson. I had just moved to Dallas. I was wearing one of those dresses that ties under the chest and is very twirly, as my daughters and I would call it. When you spin, the dress goes up. You know, it's got lots of layers of material, but it's light. And I saw a car wash and I decided, you know, I just got into town. My car was just delivered to me. Let me clean it up and then I'll go back to my new apartment and wait for the moving truck. So I rode through the automatic car wash, which I hadn't done in years. They just don't have those sit in the car as you go through car washes in New York. It's almost like being in a drive through while in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> I love them. So I came out the other side, drove around, looked at the car. It looked beautiful, shiny and sparkly. And then I saw that they had a self-vacuum. I pulled up to the vacuum and I noticed it only took quarters. So I found a few quarters in the car and I grabbed the vacuum and I put the quarter in and I started cleaning the bottom of the floor of the driver's seat. And then I reached over to do the passenger floor and my dress as I leaned over, got caught in the hose and the vacuum sucked all the layers of material into the hose so that I was stuck up against this vacuum nozzle leaning against my car. Everything was open to the viewing. The whole world could see that I was wearing nothing under this dress as I was pinned against my car. There went my sexy liberal feeling as I looked from left to right, pressed against the side of my car, praying to God that I was the only one 
within viewing distance. I didn't see anybody. Now, that doesn't mean somebody didn't see me, but I tried to pull the hose and it wouldn't budge. I had to stand there and wait for that quarter to run out in order to get my dress back out of the hose. Welcome to frickin' Dallas. So the lesson here is, if you decide to feel beautiful and sexy and go without panties on a beautiful day wearing a frilly, twirly dress, don't vacuum your car. (laughs) You gotta trust me on this one. Jesus. Good? Good. It's a hell of a story, isn't it? The sad part is, it's 100% true. I mean, think about it. Who could make something like that up? It's Robin Marshall, your very own sugar mom. Coming up, I want to talk about why our children cannot accept the fact that we still have sex. It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. And of course, today, what do I want to talk about? Sex. Sex and our children. So here's the deal. My daughter is all pissed off at me because I put out a podcast that mentions the fact that there's a slight possibility that I still have sex. Now, Why should this come as a surprise? Do they think as our children that when we hit maybe 35, 40 years old, we shrivel up and all those parts disappear? I'm really having trouble understanding where she's coming from. I remember being young, and if my mom did something flirty, I would look at her with disgust. You know, kids do when they're little or not little, but teens. But for goodness sake, if you're in your 20s, or even late teens, you gotta think that there's something going on. I'm not sewing. I'm not knitting. I'm not playing tiddlywinks. I'm not taking dog obedience classes, that's for sure. I mean, so there's gotta be an outlet for everybody. And I really desperately, truly want her to understand that it's not a dirty thing and it's not something that she should be ashamed of, the fact that she knows that I'm having sex or that maybe one of her friends read my Facebook post and now her friend knows that her mother is having sex. Come on! Her father's having sex too and I don't hear her ranting and raving about him. Why is it me? So do you talk to your daughter about sexual experiences that you've had? Now, really, not woman to woman, but, I mean, you spent a lot of time as she was growing up teaching her about the birds and the bees and, you know, never leave your drink uncovered because somebody could slip something in there and then they could do this to you and it's a horrific experience to go through. So we teach them how to avoid sex. We tell them to wait until they're old enough to handle emotionally sex But do we ever sit down and talk with them about how enjoyable sex is? I think that's where our mistake began. We forgot about that. I don't ever remember sitting down with any of my daughters talking about how much I enjoy sex. 
I do remember telling them that if you don't enjoy sex with your partner, then you either need to fix it or get out. I remember saying that, but I don't think I said it the other way because I didn't think they wanted to hear what my escapades were. In retrospect, maybe we should have. Maybe we should have come home one day and said, wow, I got laid tonight like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Could you just imagine? <laughs> I could just picture five faces in a row looking at me with their mouths dropped going, Mom! <laughs> no, I don't recommend doing that. I'm just playing. <laughs> but it is a funny visual. I think we just have to continue to be honest. And if they hear and they see and if I post and I say... They have to grow up and they have to learn to accept us for who we are. I am not living in a bubble and I'm certainly not in a box. I don't just give it away. I'm involved with people. So of course I'm going to have sex. Listen to me carefully. Yes, I have sex. Child, where the hell do you think you came from? I've got to break this ice with her. And this, I guess, is not the way to do it because now she's going to hear this and she's going to be even more pissed. But come on. I mean, I'm the mom. I should be pissed at her for making me aggravated enough to sit here and record this. Ridiculous. I don't ask her if she has sex with her boyfriend. Maybe I should have. Maybe that would have. Oh, we always second guess ourselves. By the way, do you know that I don't use cue cards? I have nothing in front of me except a blank screen. I only pray every once in a while that it is recording <laughs> and that I didn't forget to push the button. <sighs> I love her. I know she loves me. She's the one out of all of them that opens her mouth, or as my mother would say, her piscala, <laughs> and tells me exactly how she feels. Mm-mm stomping her feet, and then she tells me that all my other children feel exactly the same way. Mm -mm -mm. And so I sit and I wonder, well, if they all feel that way, maybe I need to go have a talk with them now before it's too late, before they turn into her. And I have to go through this multiple times. What's the old saying? I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Oh, but I love her. I hate when she's upset with me. One day, my daughter will understand just how outspoken I am. And what's on my mind is on my tongue. And that's my whole point. I want women to be able to just talk. Really say what you've been thinking. What's wrong with that? Nothing. To keep things bottled up and not fix things is wrong. A sugar mom is somebody that speaks up, says what's on her mind, tries to fix things, moves forward, grows, and tries to bring the whole world with her. Is that such a terrible thing? And she likes sex, okay? It's not like I recorded a podcast that said, I love sex. Oh, now that I could understand her being pissed about. <laughs> but I didn't. I was talking about my dog. And what do you do with a new dog when you're entertaining a friend at your house? 
That was my other podcast, Sex and Sugar Dog. (laughs) I really, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder how she's mine. (laughs) I'm so much like my mom. And she's so much like me in so many other ways. But here's a great example of how we're, we're so much alike. For instance, she needed me to take her to a store to get a pair of sneakers that I have that she likes. So we walk into the store and, and we are about a size or a half a size apart. And she's starting on the left and I'm to her right. And we're slowly walking down the aisle. And she says to me, I don't like the fact that you're in front of me. That means you're seeing shoes before I am. And the thing is, I got it. I understood it because I'm exactly the same way. And then I picked up a pair of shoes that were really cool with a nice high heel. I said, look at these. And she says, we're here for me. (laughs) Uh, It's just things that my kids say. I get it. Most people won't, but I do. And I know they get me. So how could she not get this? I wear high heels. She wears pumps. How did that come out of me? I have another daughter that wears heels with fringe. (sighs) Everybody's an individual. Doesn't matter how many children you have, they all turn out differently. There's always a common bond between everybody, but they're all so different. It's mind-blowing. Anyway, I feel better now. I'll feel a lot worse once she hears this, but for now, I'm in a happy place. (laughs) Sometimes I just outdo myself, truly. Have a wonderful day. I'll let you know how this turns out after she... Here's it. Oh, wait. I almost forgot to tell you. Go to my store. Look around. I'm telling you there are things for under $20 in that store at sugarmom.net. You can find earrings. I am telling you the truth. I wear everything that I sell because I like it. That's the reason the things are in my store because I liked them. I use the skincare, Sugar Mom skincare line. I use it every day, morning and night. And my skin feels great. I have this magic mascara, Unique. That's what it's called, Unique. I call it magic potion that you put on after you put your mascara on. You flip this on your eyelashes and they're twice the length and thick. And it doesn't bother allergies or anything. It's wonderful. What else do I have in there? Umbrellas. I have mouse pads that say Sugar Mom and I have... Little jump drives that are, I think, three gigabytes that all have Sugar Mom engraved on them. And and of course, my book. I would love for you to pick up a copy of my book, whether ebook, audiobook, paperback book. It's a good read. You'll enjoy it. I really think you will because you sort of think like me. You may not admit to many of the things that you think like me about, but it's in there. It's called The Diary of a Sugar Mom. How do you think this whole thing got started? I just have a bunch of fun items that you should just peruse through. Have a good time with it. Sugarmom.net. Or look for me on Facebook, Real Sugar Mom. The comments there are what got me in trouble today. But, hey, you live and you learn and you have a good time while you're doing it. As long as you can laugh at yourself. (laughs) And I do a lot of that. Have a great day. It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. I love you, daughter. XOXO.
Mommy loves you. Promise. I got to get out of here before I lose my mind completely. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. Catch you next time. A Westwood One podcast production.